0: How are you doing? How is your early spring doing career-wise, personal-wise, health-wise, all the things? I hope that you are loving life and living your best life. I want to remind you, if you haven't checked out my free monthly master classes. they are on the third Thursday of every month at 4 o'clock p.m. Easter, and they're always on a career, really a job search related topic. We've covered resumes and interviewing and personal branding and job search strategies, all the things. So I hope you'll check that out. The link is in the show notes and you can get more information about the one that's upcoming and you can also register for it there. So today we're going to talk about emotional intelligence, and I really want to say that this is a two-parter for all intents and purposes. So this week we're going to talk about your emotional intelligence profile and, and what that looks like from one of the experts out there in the field, and then next week we're going to talk about how to leverage that knowledge to become a star performer, to work on areas that are using your strengths that leverage your strengths to help with some of your weaknesses and coming up with a specific action plan to become a star performer. So really listening to these two in tandem is is a great idea, but certainly you want to listen to this one first. Emotional intelligence has been a hot topic for quite a while now. and, And I think it's wonderful because it moves away from this concept that you just need to have a body of knowledge about your subject And that's all it takes, right? We have increasingly recognized that emotional intelligence is at least as important as subject matter expertise. Now, to my mind, this focus on emotional intelligence is... Is a recognition that it isn't just what you can do for your employer that is valuable, rather, how you do it, how you show up the person that you are for your coworkers, for your boss, your customers, your vendors, whoever it is that you work with. And so that's really what we're going to dive into today. I'm going to be pulling heavily for this episode from the book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence. It's one of the stalwarts on my professional bookshelf, and it's by Reldon Nadler. He's a side. So let's start with the difference between IQ, which is your intellectual quotient, and EI, which is your emotional intelligence, sometimes called your EQ, your emotional quotient. And we're also going to introduce technical expertise into the mix and kind of how all of these play out in your career. So a definition of IQ would be a number used to express the apparent relative intelligence of a person, right? So 100 means you are completely at average intelligence, something below 100 is less than average, above 100 is above average. At some point, you go into the genius realm. Harvard Health Publishing defines EI, emotional intelligence, as it refers to the ability to identify and regulate our own emotions, to recognize the emotions of other people, and feel empathy toward them, and to use these abilities to communicate effectively and build healthy productive relationships with others so hopefully what you heard there is there's a self component a self awareness and a self regulation component to emotional intelligence and then there is also the the part of how we relate to others how we manage relationships outside of ourselves technical expertise this third part of this triangle if you will is the capability to perform the duties of one's profession generally, or to perform a particular professional task with the skill of an acceptable quality, right? So we've got EQ, I'm smart, I I know the answers, I've got the, the education, I can, I can, you know, intellectually solve problems. Emotional intelligence is how am I Regulating myself, how am I showing up in the work world? How am I relating to others? And then technical expertise is that specific skill set that I need to do this job. So it's kind of almost a drill down from, intellectual quotient, right? I've got this IQ, I'm smart, but can I specifically do the tasks of this job? You could have a very high IQ and not know how to practice law, for example, not have the skill of being a courtroom orator and being able to defend a defendant because you haven't gotten that kind of IQ. You haven't studied that. You don't have the technical expertise and education necessary to be a trial lawyer. Research is showing that as performers, as workers move up in their organization, more of their success comes from their leadership skills and their emotional intelligence than their IQ or their technical acumen. And this ought to make sense to us, right? So when we're entry level, it's really not about whether we can lead. We're not leading anybody except ourselves, hopefully. And we aren't expected to have a ton of technical acumen right off the bat. So we're getting hired from kind of our potential to do the job. And then as we move up, increasingly, we are not having to do the job, we are leading the people who do the job. So that's when we need those leadership skills and that emotional intelligence to be able to manage ourselves, to show up as a leader and manage others. I think we've all known people who have been promoted to leadership roles for which they had no experience, they had no training, and really didn't have any natural ability. Some people are just more natural-born leaders, or maybe they developed that talent in you know high school or college, and others didn't. And this is oftentimes a source of job dissatisfaction. It's actually called the Peter Principle. So we are promoted to our highest point of incompetence. Is I think how the Peter Principle reads. And my experience in Going into a leadership role very much mirrors what I just said. So when I was at Columbus State University, after a brief stint in, in another department, I was hired into what was then the Counseling and Placement Center as the placement coordinator. So this is old school, late 1980s, the way things were in in career centers. And it became obvious, you know, within a year or two that we needed to not be part of the counseling center. We needed to be a separate office. We didn't need to be called the placement office. We needed to be called the career center. And we needed a director who, you know, wasn't a psychologist or a PsyD, which is the, the case at CSU. She was the director of the Counseling and Placement Center. And so I had a group of people who came in and they were from my national association and they did an assessment and essentially found the same thing. They found that, you know, we need to separate this out. The Career Center needs to have its own identity. Well, that happened. And I had never had any leadership training whatsoever, had never been in a leadership role before. And so, you know, I asked for this and it was what I wanted. But what was really jarring to me was my first evaluation was not good on the leadership components. And I felt very resentful about that because I felt like I had been thrown under the bus. Right. Here's this new responsibility. We're going to evaluate you on this in just a few months, but we're not going to give you any help to become good at it. And I think this is the case with many people. I certainly saw this repeatedly in higher education at both Columbus State and at Truman, where outstanding professors. So the people who are chosen oftentimes to go into dean roles, vice president roles, and even presidents of universities are given those opportunities because they are fantastic in the classroom. They are great. The students love them, whatever the case may be, depending on what they teach, but they are outstanding teachers. So what do we do? We take them out of the classroom that they love and the classroom loves them and put them into a role for which they have not been prepared. It is a completely different skill set. And there oftentimes is job dissatisfaction, whether this is happening in higher education or another industry. We are now not doing doing the thing that we loved and that we excelled at, and we haven't been trained properly to do the new thing. In the book that I'm referring to in this episode, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, the author provides an emotional intelligence assessment, and this can be used on yourself, you can use it on your direct reports, you can use it in, you know, 360-degree evaluations, and in establishing goals with your direct supervisor. And in fact, we're going to be using this profile a little bit today. As I describe the 20 facets of emotional intelligence, I want you to identify the 10 that are most important in your career. So some of these aren't going to be as relevant as others, depending on the work you do, the environment that you do it in, etc. And then next, I want you to think about how often you display that competency. On a scale of one to ten so for example if you gave yourself a one in that competency that would mean that you only display that competency ten percent of the time meaning that whenever there is an opportunity to present that competency to show up in the best possible way relative to that competency you only do that ten percent of the time of course you want to be brutally honest with yourself or this is not useful So if you gave yourself a five, that would mean you display the competency about half the time that you could. So I think that gives you a pretty good idea of where we're going with this. You want to start and stop this podcast if you want to. That's going to be helpful to give you some time to think on these. And you can listen to the list multiple times, whatever you need to do. And of course, these are also in the show notes. I encourage you to set some specific goals as to how you will improve the competency. So who do you need to speak to? What do you need to do? How do you need to measure success? And we're going to be parlaying that into how to become a star performer, as I mentioned, next week. And I want to note also that these competencies are really important to develop throughout your career. It's never too early or too late begin consciously working on these it should be a career-long process but if you're in your 50s or 60s and haven't done this haven't been exposed to this before recognize that this is an area where you could really make some traction in your career then by all means it's not too late so let's start with what these competencies are and i want to be clear in saying that other experts will have slightly different lists of competencies for emotional intelligence this is one really well regarded expert. The first three competencies fall under the general category of self awareness. So, do you know what you bring to the table? Do you know yourself? And the first one is emotional self awareness. So, do you recognize your feelings and how those feelings affect you in your job? Are you self aware? Number two, accurate self assessment. So, do you recognize your strengths, your shortcomings? Are you able to focus on how to improve your shortcomings? So you know where, what you bring to the table. So number one is, do you recognize your feelings? Number two is, do you recognize your own strengths and weaknesses? And number three, confidence. Do you present yourself in an assured, forceful, impressive, unhesitating manner. You show up as the best version of yourself. You exude confidence. Those are the self-awareness ones. The next category is self-management. So the first one is emotional self-control. Are you able to stay calm, unflappable, and clear-headed in high-stress situations? You have the ability to regulate your own emotions. The next one is trustworthiness. Do you openly admit your faults or mistakes? Do you confront unethical behavior in yourself? Next one is adaptability. Are you comfortable with ambiguity? Are you able to adapt to new challenges and situations? Kind of go with the flow. I think this one really parallels well with team player. The next one is conscientiousness. Do you take personal responsibility to make sure that tasks are completed? Your word is gold. People know that when they give you something to do, they ask you to do something. They're going to, it's going to be done. The next one is achievement orientation. Do you work through obstacles? Do you take risks to meet challenging goals and to continually improve? And then the final one is initiative. Do you seize opportunities? Do you create opportunities for the future? You are looking at opportunities and seeing potential. The next category is social awareness. Under the category of social awareness, are you empathetic? Do you understand other people's perspectives and are you open to diversity? Next, we have organizational awareness. Do you understand the political forces, the unspoken rules of work? Are you able to take into consideration and navigate through the political morass in your company? And the final one in that category is service orientation. Are you proactive about customer satisfaction? Do you address underlying customer needs in an effective way? And then the final category is relationship management. And the first one under the relationship management category is developing others. So do you give timely and constructive feedback and mentoring to others? Next is inspirational leadership. Do you communicate a compelling vision and inspire others to follow? Next is influence. Do you find the right approach to build buy-in for projects, ideas, concepts, whatever? And have you developed a network of influential people to help you build your influence? The next one is change catalyst. Do you lead change efforts? Do you champion new initiatives? Next, we have communication. Do you effectively and continually fine tune your message and delivery are you are you communicating in a give and take kind of way with others it's not top down you know kind of barking orders but you're communicating effectively the next one is building bonds building strong networks and using them for answers and support conflict management understanding all sides and finding common ideals to endorse so being willing to step into conflict And manage it effectively. And then finally, the 20th one of all of these is teamwork and collaboration. So, are you encouraging? Do you draw others into collective effort? We're all on the same team, we're working together. In the spirit of full disclosure, I decided to take this assessment myself and I picked 10, as I asked you to do, that I think are most important in my career as an entrepreneur and as a coach and a master resume writer. And a subject matter expert, right? So when I'm podcasting, when I'm on other people's podcasts, when I'm writing, when I'm answering questions as an expert in some of the forum that fora that I belong to, I am a subject matter expert. So I picked, number one, I picked emotional self-awareness. I gave myself a seven. So that meant 70% of the time, I think I show pretty good self-awareness. Sometimes people say negative things about me or my work. They're critical. It's 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 infrequent, to be fair, but it is really important for me to be able to look at that criticism that that feedback and not take it personally but look at it from is there truth to what's being said can i make changes should i make changes based on this feedback do others maybe think the same thing so it's it's taking myself out of it and being looking at it from an objective standpoint and not taking it personally getting my feelings hurt the second one I picked was accurate self-assessment. I gave myself a six on this one. And I think this one goes hand in hand with emotional self-awareness. It's that ability to take feedback and make improvements, right? So, it, you know, I've, I'm hearing something from someone else. I'm not getting my feelings hurt. And now with accurate self-assessment, how can I plug this into my continuous improvement mode and, you know, make changes as needed? The third one I picked is confidence, and I think that's an essential element of being an entrepreneur, and I think it's the the piece that many entrepreneurs fall on, because if I don't believe in myself and my work... How can I sell that work? How can I expect anyone else to believe in me and want to buy into what I what I offer? So I gave myself a nine on that one. I'm, I often say to my clients, I do not suffer from a lack of self-confidence. If anything, I think my confidence can sometimes get me in trouble with being overconfident. Number four, I picked emotional self-control. I gave myself a five. I live in my business life on deadlines and I manage multiple projects simultaneously. At any given time, I'm working with, you know, 15 clients and I have to remain calm and level headed no matter what, you know, if someone barks something or they need something in an emergency or something goes horribly wrong, I have to handle that with self-control and a level head. Number five is trustworthiness, and I gave myself an eight on this one because I think I'm I'm pretty good at owning up to my mistakes. I'll say, hey, I'm sorry I slipped the ball. It doesn't happen very often, but my clients need to know if I miss something, I don't need to blame somebody else. I mean, I, I run a solo practice. Who am I going to blame, right? The next one, the sixth one that I picked is conscientiousness, and I gave myself a six. And this is interesting because I'm in the process right now of building a team. So I've got um, a subcontract writer. I'm going to be adding to that. I'm going to be adding coaches. I've got a virtual assistant and I've got an editor, a podcast editor that worked for me on a contract basis. And so I'm building my team So it's this interesting place. Everything is still my responsibility. I don't have any other leaders to put anything off on. But these other people are taking things off of my plate. But ultimately, it's still my responsibility that it gets done. So that's been an interesting growth area for me right now. Number seven, I gave myself achievement orientation and I gave myself a nine for this because no matter what obstacles are in my way, I have to meet my goals. I give deadlines and I have it in writing with my clients about when certain things will be done and it just doesn't matter if I'm sick, if I'm you know, barring a catastrophe, I've got to get these things out when I say that I will and I do. Number nine was empathy and I gave myself a six on this. I have to be able to listen to my clients and understand what's going on with them, but still rely on my expertise. What do I mean by that? They may have a story in their head about why they haven't been successful in their job search or why they can't be successful in their job search. And in some cases, they may have some very real concerns, but I have to balance that. It's a very delicate balance with, okay, But this is how you get a job. So are you willing to overcome that fear? Are you willing to do it in spite of whatever to be successful? So I can't let them off the hook and be too kind to them because my empathy means I understand and we still get the work done. I'm not a pushover. Number nine, I gave myself an eight on service orientation. So my clients know that they can trust me to do what I say I'm going to do. When I say I'm going to do it, I really take care of my clients in what I call a concierge kind of way, you know, very, very white glove service. And I think I do a pretty good job of that. And then the final one is communication. And I gave myself a seven. And I said, as my team and my clientele is growing and my, my reach is growing, I'm continually evolving. How do I communicate? Where do I communicate? When do I communicate? What do I communicate? What tools do I use to communicate? So all of that is a continually evolving process for me. So I set a goal, as I asked you to do, to work on one of the areas for the next 30 days. So I'm taking one that I consider as being critical to my success that maybe needs some help. And I chose the conscientious one, which I gave myself a six on. So for the next 30 days, I'm going to really focus on conscientiousness really for the rest of 2022. And as I grow my team and, and I expand my business, I'm going to really keep a close eye on making sure all the systems and processes that I have in place serve to create a, a really delightful experience for my clients, my team members, and myself, frankly. So I want to make sure that I'm not inadvertently putting up any roadblocks to my client's success, my client's business experience with my business or anything else. So that's the one that I'm committing to. So again, take a listen to these 20 characteristics again for emotional intelligence. Pick 10 of them that you think are critical to your work that you do, the industry that you're in, you know, that kind of thing. And then pick one of them, give yourself an evaluation, one to 10. One means I only do that about 10% of the time that I should or could. A 10 would mean I do it every single time, which is going to be a rare situation that you can honestly say I never drop the ball on this one, but a one to 10 and then pick one of them that you want to work on over the next 30 days and set up some specific goals to improve that one. So I hope this has been interesting and thought provoking as I think the next one will be as well as we develop your plan to become a star and star performer. So I will see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the exclusive career coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of exclusive career coaching. It would be great if you would rate review and subscribe to this podcast.